Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Padumaru, and Ruben, or Barefoot Farmer. Ben, also known as Ben Grasher, mining data deep underground. It's episode 22. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we're a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we're going to do a deep dive on Cambrai. But before that, Ruben, how was your week? Uh, good. I, uh, as we'll find out later, part of it is due to Cambrai. <laughs> I just have been forcing it for several, several drafts now. Probably the like six of my last seven drafts were Cambrai, and it helped push me up into the... I don't know, like top 30 or something most recently, basically doing that every single draft. So it was fun. I, I, I've been, it, it feels good to finally have something kind of figured out to a certain degree because Dark Frontiers definitely uh, thwarted me a lot at the start, for sure. So, and there's a few things I know that I've, I've definitely adjusted my own mental rankings on a lot. Uh, finally, putting Horn of Plenty like at one of the top commons for, for me personally because that that strategy of just drafting multiple horns and units is really good and it's funny funny that actually my my brother just like jumped into a draft a couple weeks ago and turned in a list with four of them i think we talked about it in the last podcast but i i kind of like have stuck with just drafting two or three of them if i can get them and that plus 19 plus units is like a really easy to <laughs> to uh, pull off strategy right now. So, uh, so you know, that's a, a very basic, easy to, to do thing at this moment. And well, I would definitely suggest it. How often are you seeing Horn of Plenty? Because I feel like, for me, it, it feels like they're not flowing nearly as often as I would like. Yeah, sometimes you don't see any, and it can feel like your deck is kind of a bust, but I've noticed those decks are still not really a bust, because the the quality of commons across Combray is very high. We'll, we'll talk more about it when we get to our, our main segment. Yeah, it was, a good, it was a good draft week. How was yours? Did you get to do much drafting? Yeah, I finally uh, started drafting again, which has been very exciting. I have, I've also done two, <laughs> two Combray lists. Uh, this week. One of them was kind of interesting because um, I had four retributions in in the deck. And I was just like, is four too many? I don't know. And then it turned out maybe it was too many. And I just didn't have the unit count to support four retributions. But two of my losses, and this is very frustrating because it was two in a row, they went turn one shifted Noble Conscript and then, uh, like, turn two, two drop, turn three, suffocate, and another two drop. And so it felt like my deck had really no chance against either of those decks because I needed a unit on board to use all of my removal to try to make it to the late game. But uh, when that deck did make it to the late game, it was pretty exciting. So you need, you need those behemoths to counter the, the three fours. Yeah, just you just gotta, the problem is staying alive till five. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good point. 
But yeah, yeah, I find myself playing a you know, it, I haven't gone under 18 power in a long time because I feel like most of the decks in this format are pretty power hungry to a certain degree. You're doing lots of different twisting effects along with trying to play a card many turns. You know, you got the ooze that you want to be triggering a lot. And so, yeah, having it's hard to have too much power during uh, that phase of the game, especially. You definitely want to be hitting your four and five for sure. In a lot of these, in these decks, whereas if you're like really aggressive fire deck, you can get away with much less. In general, they're just or like Stone Scar, they're shifting out a bunch of one costed shifting guys, and you you don't need much more than a few power to really get that deck's power going. All right, so shall we move to card of the week? So, Ruben, what is your card of the week? I chose Soaring Guard, uh, and I know this is this is going to be a funny one because we talked about it a little bit earlier about how it's it's not actually present in many decks <laughs> in our spreadsheet. So this is more of a pet card of mine personally, I guess you would say. But Soaring Guard is the one-two flying Valkyrie for two that gives you two armor when it, it summons. That's its summon effect. Uh, so I, I think this card is fantastic right now and it's really good in the combray decks um because you you if you get multiple horns if you get a couple horns in your deck that this guy being a cheap but pretty well statted flyer at that point of the game is really good also the the armor effect is surprisingly relevant in this format with its buddy coastal blade barrier which is a two two for three it's the the knight warrior with the flaming blue fist that gets plus three plus three when you have armor. So this this guy becomes just a five five for three in conjunction with the soaring guard, and I've had this come up quite often because I've actually been um, just trying to smash as many units into these horn of plenty decks as I can get, and I've found that they're actually not just filler; they're really powerful. <laughs> and also, coastal blade barrier. Uh, gets his buff easily with um, the the test pilot, the one four four. Mm-hmm. You can twist that guy to turn this guy on and make him big. And I mean, a five five blocks incredibly well in the format right now. So it's a pretty that's a pretty simple strategy to pull off. I found as well. But soaring guard in general just is a great way to trigger onslaught, and that which is super important with how many very powerful onslaught effects there are in the format all around it, both in any, in any uh, faction combination with justice. Um, yeah. What was your card of the week? <laughs> yeah. Well, just uh, one last thing. It is interesting. We've been um, uh, working on different ways to display all of the uh, deck lists that we've gotten. And so um, we kind of made a web app or we've been making a web app. One of the listeners for looking at the data so we can kind of go by faction by faction how cards are doing now and so it's funny that you've been drafting Combray and love soaring guard because so far soaring guard is at its worst in Combray in our lists <laughs> with uh, about 20 percent it's in about 20 percent of our Combray lists while its max is in kuru with 37 uh, percent of lists so it's just funny that You've been liking Combray and and Soaring Guard, despite that not being the general consensus on the card. 
but I think it'll be interesting to hear in the main topic about like the version of Cambrai that you're drafting and having so much success with right now. So we all kind of went with a theme uh, this week. So Ben picked Corrupted Behemoth, which is uh, tied for number one with Retribution as the top common of the set, which I think should be saying something about maybe how powerful Cambrai is, that it has two of the most powerful uh, commons. And it's doing a lot better than, say, sort of similar cards, you know, like Tremor Shocker or Awakened Sentinel are both sort of in the same range, but Corrupted Behemoth has been showing up almost twice as much as both of them in um, in our decks. So Ben kind of thinks that, you know, even though like Tremor Shocker and Awakened Sentinels seem like they could be sort of obviously not, I think obviously not as powerful, but pretty equivalent. But like Tremor Shocker, even though it's a six mana six six, it's just like a turn too slow. And then if you shift it for four, you're not getting it till turn seven. And so it's just not helping stabilize as much as maybe Behemoth is. Yeah, Behemoth just sits there and blocks everything just about. And I I I just want to say I will play Corrupted Behemoth and Tremor Shocker <laughs> in the same deck. So. Yeah. I, I I think they're they're good friends and go together right. quite would you, well. Would you play two corrupted behemoths over the split? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. I play as many corrupted behemoths as I can fit in my deck, but I also I kind of like just playing lots of fat units in my yeah. decks right now because I I don't the aggro decks are not that impressive. I think that they're a little overrated because I think a lot of them do just kind of lose to a corrupted behemoth. If you get to that stage of the game, if you can manage to, you know, play a soaring guard and then retribution their best unit, and that just gets you to corrupted behemoth, the game is almost over for a lot of those decks. They're they're kind of, I mean, you you just get to further your game plan, which. Uh, if you're doing the Comrade deck with horns and stuff, is always going to end up being stronger in the late game. Like, there's not much that goes over that <laughs> when, like, every unit you draw is big, basically. Yeah. I've been having a little bit of trouble surviving, like, s- sort of this Stone Scar onslaught. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear sort of what um, what things you're taking to sort of help mitigate that and surviving into the late game where you can start being start dropping your corrupted behemoths you know because i've been having trouble where you know i do have an early game and i'm playing like large import soldiers and cards like that to try to help me bridge into the late game but they have so much removal that efficiently deals with it that they're still getting the beats in while i'm still like trying to survive you, you can always lose to an efficient, aggressive deck with good removal. <laughs> That's for sure. Maybe you're just you're just hitting pockets of really good fire decks, which are still, I mean, like, fire is still our number one drafted faction, right, in our spreadsheet. It is, yeah. For good reason. I mean, it's very solid all around. All right, so my card of the week uh, is Retribution, which is the three justice spell, which silences and stuns a unit and has Onslaught kill the unit. It's tied for the number one common um, by background rate, and so it's obviously a powerful card, but there are limits to how many you can play, it turns out. And (laughs) it it felt like maybe four was too many. 
Not so. if you have enough soaring guards, though. You know, what's your your spell count of a deck? Generally don't want to be going... I mean, depending on what the makeup, makeup of your deck is. Because some are spells matters and need, you know, eight to nine spells even sometimes. But I'm perfectly fine playing four to five spells and, like, at least in most decks. And if four of those are retributions, I'd be pretty happy, I'd guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It seems like, you know, it's it's worst case mode is not bad either. Silence plus stun is really strong. Yeah, I think my problem was maybe I wasn't running the unit count. I had maybe too many spells. And so I just had a, I had a fair bit of trouble triggering the onslaught on Retribution. And then also fire decks can just go like so wide with really dinky units that there is no best unit to sort of Retribution and stabilize with. I can't even afford to attack and then kill their third, you know, one of their three blink wolves. Right. That makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In those matchups, it's not good. And, you know, if you're on the defense, it's (laughs) definitely not at its best. All right. So that's uh, card of the week. So we're moving on to seven win run breakdown. Uh, We're still getting a ton of lists from everyone. So for those of you who don't know, we have two spreadsheets that collect all the seven win lists from our listeners and um yeah from all our our from all our listeners and they break down sort of what factions are doing well as well as uh, the other spreadsheet that ben works on that goes card by card and kind of tells you what cards are doing well in the format um and there's links to both of those in the show note as well as ben made a website for the podcast that sort of just links to all the different things that we sort of talk about in both of the spreadsheets and stuff like that. And you can find a link to that in the show notes too. And so one of the things we like to do for everyone who sends in a deck list, and you can send that deck list to farmingeternal at gmail.com, is uh, say thank you on the podcast. So we had a few new uh, submissions this week. We had Andrew P., who sent in four decks, Fabio M., Full Robot, Jed the Homerid, Matty Oker, and Shadows, as well as our veteran contributors, Abednego, Adam H., Agent Dynamo, Colton S., Dubes, Jedi EJ, Joey, Andy Hoove, Eris Elite, Cassandrith with nine decks, Nate S., Out in a Limb, Patrick H., Ruben L., Rover, Smiley Z with three, Tempest Dragon King, Terran and Zuta. Wow. See, that goes to show you how tired I am. I don't even remember getting a seven-win draft this week. <laughs> <laughs> it happened, apparently. <laughs> but it apparently happened. Well, good on me. So, you know, we've been kind of going over the um, how things are doing, but we're, we've gotten so many deck lists. We're over, over, well over 300 into the 330s in the number of deck lists we've got. So our faction breakdown is holding pretty constant currently with uh, Fire being the best, Primal being the worst. And then we've also been going over the top commons in each of the colors in order. So uh, today we're doing Primal, and Ben says he hopes that maybe this will help people do better with common. And so recognize what are the actual uncommons or rares that are doing well as compared to the uncommon and rares that look good on paper, but maybe aren't actually performing in the decks that we receive. So to begin with, the um, 
The top three commons are Lightning Strike, Cobalt Coin, and Advanced Scout. And do you have anything to say about that? That's odd. Because <laughs> none of them would strike me as... I mean, Lightning Strike is an obvious one. Cobalt Coin... I haven't been playing it as much, but I've also, like you mentioned, that you just avoid Primal at all costs. So I usually am not even looking at them anymore. So, yeah, I, obviously I don't have a whole lot to add if I'm never drafting Primal. But I can say that, you know, Yeti, so the top five, it gets even sadder. It's like Flash Freeze is good, is a pretty good. And then Yeti Instigators, the, the fifth best common which is just a vanilla 3-3 three, three for 3. It just seems pretty unspectacular to be this high on their list, but the, it's just the quality is so low that it's kind of necessary for the Primal decks. You should definitely, if you're solidly in Primal, you should definitely be happy to take them. But yeah, the this isn't the most impressive group of cards, I'd say. Like no, Adva I... Advanced Scout is very weak. I'm just not that impressed with that card. I understand why they're playing it, because there's not a lot of other decent, cheap flyers um, in Primal. Uh, so Advanced Scout is looking a lot better than most of the other cards. But a 2-1 flyer for 3 is not that good. It's a little expensive for a 1 in toughness. just dies to just about everything. Yeah, but... I will say as the only member of the cast that had Yeti Instigator in their top 3 Primal commons, that I'm... Feeling pretty good with my prediction of uh, how bad Primal is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's pretty bad. Yeah, what I, mean, I don't even remember what we were saying the top three commons were, but they were all not that spectacular in my opinion. Yeah. But I guess let's, now we can talk about the uncommons, which are very exciting and super powerful. And the reason to go into Primal, I think, is the general consensus at this point. Yeah, the, the uncommons... And I think this is we've ta we've talked a lot about this on the cast and sort of in our private discussions that you know one of the problems with primal is that it can be a trap color in that the uncommons are pretty powerful and so you kind of pick one of them and a lot of them are double influence too and so it puts you solidly in primal but then you're not getting the common primal cards or just the quality of the common primal cards doesn't seem to be good enough to support support that. And so the top three primal cards um, in, or the top three uncommons are Frost Elemental, Permafrost, and Lightning Sprite. And Frost Elemental is actually quite high up, is well above Permafrost and Lightning Sprite as the, um, as the top, as the top uncommon. And I think that it's kind of surprising that I think it's not surprising because like a three a three three flyer for three is just is obviously very good, but it's not very f flashy, you know, sort of like Cloud Snake Matriarch or, or or like Peak Top Trekker, where like those are cards that you can like really dream of best case scenarios, while you sort of know what you're getting with Frost Elemental. But I think maybe that's one of the deceptively powerful things is it is it may not have the highest ceiling but it has a much higher floor than a lot of the other uncommons for primal yeah. and that makes it sort of way better than it looks yeah and you're gonna see it make it to most primal decks 
<laughs> like if the people who are actually get ending up in primal, which I'm assuming you're you're out there. <laughs> there yeah, are people. There are people out there who are who are drafting it, and like they pretty much all are gonna want frost elemental. They're also all gonna want permafrost and lightning sprite, in my opinion, as well. Yeah. So that it's a little odd that it's that much higher than permafrost and lightning sprite, but um, but even like other cards like keen saddleback, you're like, oh, that's a really powerful card. But like frost elemental is showing up twice as much as keen saddleback. It doesn't seem right that it's that much better than Keen Saddleback, because I, I like that card a lot. I think it's really good. Cloud Snake Matriarch is also really good. It's one of the cards my brother wanted to point out to me as being crazy powerful, because it if you warp it off the top of your deck and draw a card, it kind of feels like playing a Heart of the Vault in Limited. Yeah. <laughs> a flying Heart of the Vault, which is a fair comparison in a lot of ways. And if you're able to trigger multiple warps with it in play, it's it's really good. But I just think the support for Primal is is maybe not there to help those decks make it through, to have those cards actually perform. Whereas Frost Elemental is always going to help decks pull through victories in some way or another. Because you just play a Scaly Gruon and a Frost Elemental, and that's going to beat a decent... That's going to win a decent number of games, like... Stupid as that sounds, just having a one fuller, a couple one fours blocking while you've got a frost elemental swinging every turn, it gets the job done. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. The floor for frost elemental is pretty high. Definitely. But yeah, yeah. I mean this this list of uncommons, it, it's just such a nice group of cards. The problem yeah. is when you scroll up to the to the comments here <laughs> yeah but and that's what uh one of the interesting things is like you look at this list of um uncommons and you're just like wow all of these are just amazing but like primal's doing so poorly that like cards that you think should be just like crushing it aren't actually even aren't doing that well so like aggressive Urzine, avalanche yeti peak top trekker cloud snake matriarch they're almost doing about as well as the commons, you know, as far as the rate that they're showing up in deck lists, you know, when it's normalized. So like we're sort of doing a sort of an apples to apples comparison. When you even take into account how, how you see an uncommon less, they're just like not showing up in the winning primal deck lists. So I think there's, you know, there's just something interesting going on with Primal that even the winning Primal decks aren't sort of relying on what seem like to be these like obviously powerful Primal cards. All right. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. All right, what do you want to talk about next? Yeah, the rares. Number one rare is Torgov Icecap Trader, which is, I think, actually the number one drafted rare. Nice. Which is kind of surprising to me. It's just like... It's it's the best performing rare that we have right now, which I I guess I wouldn't have guessed ever because it's like a good card, but it doesn't seem like a great card. It's not only the number one primal rare, but it is the best rare overall, too. And it's followed by Eileen's Frost Rider and Eileen's Sanctum. Eileen's Sanctum. Which one's that? That is the oh, the one that makes a serpent flyer for it's a three power relic. Cool. Yeah, three power relic it makes a 
And you can pay two, seven. Two serpent, and then you can pay seven to, to make a 2-2. Two, two. And the uh, Eileen's Frost Rider is the 4-4 four, four flyer for six that stuns two enemies. <laughs> Obviously, crazy powerful card. Yeah, it is, which is which is like surprising that Torgov is peering in about twice as many deck lists. Primal's, Primal's in a funny spot, at least as far as our spreadsheet's concerned. Yeah, so speaking of which, uh, let's move into our main topic, which is... Uh, what Ruben's been doing with Combray? Been a lot of fun. I I think that it it. I mean, we already kind of covered a lot of it. Lar- largely, it comes down to just that prioritizing of those three commons, in my opinion: the corrupted behemoth, the devotee of sands, and the horn of plenty. Especially horn of plenty, and having. I I mean, you can go upwards of four horn of plenties. I think in a deck, but. That's you're barely gonna see that. Um, I had one draft that had a few, and have had a couple more that had a pair of them, and they were always great. You pretty much are always wanting to draw them, basically every game. And usually these decks are you're looking at baseline like 18 power. Like I mentioned, I do think you need quite a bit of power to make sure that you curve perfectly into horn, and also have enough power to do things like twisting your Tauride test pilots and corrupted behemoths and everything else. Um, you have a lot. There's a lot of power sinks in these decks. Like this one deck I have here, for example, we had bulbous humbugs and stuff like that that were really f- effective at in- ensuring that I always hit my big guys, my really like um, worms and stuff. The six six for six and stuff, I think, are really critical for this deck but also there's a lot of flyers in justice so that's why i feel like combray specifically is the way to go if you if you if you find it coming open because there's so many of these less impressive justice flyers they're not let you know they're they're all serviceable but things like soaring guard and even tarad test pilot for some reason i get past that card all the time and i think people still kind of underrate it um, but a lot of these flyers are really just the way that you that I'm winning most of my games with my Combrade X because I always have a handful of flyers in pretty much every one of them, and then you can just gum up the ground with a couple of big creatures or even just one corrupted behemoth if they're not able to take care of it. It just completely stalls out your opponent. Um, a couple cards that are really important. I found Steadfast Pal- Paladin is the two one for two that is invulnerable to damage on your turn. That card's great, and it's just always a really solid two drop. For a lot of the same reasons, Soaring Guard is good. It's always helping trigger onslaught. Help you know triggers your retributions and everything later on in the game. Once you get horns, horn of plenties in play and stuff, this guy actually is attacking through a lot of other units. It's a really good unit in conjunction with certain combat tricks and stuff too which comes to the next point so i know that i i do think you don't want to get lower than 18 or so units i i wouldn't i i would always have that as kind of the bar at least 18 to 20 is a great number to be trying to hit with this style of strategy with just horn, really going all in on the horn of plenty essentially but i yeah i i don't know what how have you been building them i don't know if this is (laughs) making too much sense or no it's good so you're so 
let's say so you your ideal combray deck it has 18 units we got your two horn of plenty and maybe another attachment or two and then your spell suite of about five or six cards yeah right i'm i'm aiming for you know a lot of retributions sharpened reflex i mean training ground is technically a unit and that's a card that i'm frequently putting in these decks as well Mm -hmm. um and then uh what's it called high alert that card is amazing and you're a big high alert fan yeah yeah i love that card i've been winning a lot of games with it um i've been i i've lost plenty of games to it as well i think i I played one game against isomorphic and he was playing like argent port with i don't even know multiple high alerts and he just destroyed me (laughs) it was it was horrible because he was just outmaneuvering me at every turn. It felt like with that card, it's it's very hard to play around properly. And sometimes you can almost like see it coming, and you still are forced to play into it many times. So, I, yeah, I think those are the the big like combat trick spells that you're mm-hmm. looking at. Occasionally, flash grenades are really good too. But you're it also can depend on Wormstone counts and stuff as well, whether or not you want a few more spells. Um, Wormstone, you, I think some maybe new players think that they have to run like eight or nine spells or something to be able to run a Wormstone in their deck, which is not true at all. I don't think it requires that many. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, things like High Alert have Warp and stuff, so they kind of like a card and a half, sort of. <laughs> it's hard to really put a value on warp i know we've we've always talked about well we've talked about this before it's really a hard thing to value but anyway wormstone you don't need a ton of spells to make it efficient but if you do have a couple of them in your deck you'll have to uh maybe aim on the slightly lower end of units to spell ratio yes where are you we talked about this with man of malice when he was on but so are you a put one detain in in your combray deck kind of person or no i i still don't bother with the detain i feel like there's just so many other more powerful cards that are a little more flexible like i said sharpened reflex is one that i think just has a more powerful impact on the game a lot of times and and like i like i'm saying these these heavy heavy unit combray decks i'm drafting i only have so much room for spells so i typically the first thing i'm cutting I'm looking at my spells. I'm like, okay, I've got too many. I'll cut this, this, and keep in the high alert. We're call it good, <laughs> right? Basically, even even a card like Envelop, I feel like is more impactful. That's the one that bounces an attacker. I uh-huh. then detain a lot of games, especially if you end up in racing situations and stuff. Oh, that's interesting. I've been since we did that episode. I've been putting, you know, at least a detain in just about all of my justice decks. And have been really shocked at how much that's been doing for me. Mom talked about it on the cast, but it's like one of the few ways to like profitably trade with the deadly unit. Yeah, um, that's a great point. But it's also, and I've been finding this coming up more and more with all the fire units that are fire decks that are you're facing against, is it's also a pretty good counter to quick draw. Like Blurry Chaser, and then there's I think it's an uncommon that like every time you scout gets plus one attack and it also has quick draw and it's just like these like high attack low toughness quick draw units are just like really a a bear to deal with unless you have like 
obviously a kill spell does it, but also, you know, a surprise detain is a pretty good way to profitably trade with those. So I've been having a lot of luck with that card. Nice. I, I'll have to keep my eye out for it. I, I just always feel like having slightly more proactive things like sharpened reflexes and mm-hmm. high, high alerts uh, is just more reliably powerful in more scenarios. But, yeah, maybe those those scenarios where detain is good are just way more frequent than I'm thinking. <laughs> I, w- I would imagine that it's it's definitely just a a good decent or to good card that I underrate. But you know, like I was saying, your your spells you're not going to have many of them, so mm-hmm. you really want them to be slightly more impactful okay. in general and more proactive as well, because your your strategy is just to play a unit every turn and occasionally try to slip in a spell or try to warp a high alert off the top of your deck or something because i mean that you're always going for that warp value right (laughs) yeah so where do uh the relic weapons fall into this for you they are like the decent filler cards i i like taking maces and sneaking one or or so in the deck they they definitely make uh an impact and I, I've I've won plenty of games with them, so I I do think they're very playable. Um, you you're kind of limited on how many you can play, but uh, I'd say on average I usually have one of those five costing relics in my justice decks. Even even the sigh. Which one? Oh yeah yeah sometimes sometimes I I really like the mace better. Yeah. It, it seems like it the extra toughness makes a pretty big difference. Though when you warp that. Twin sigh off the top of your deck, it feels crazy good. There, there's even some cards I, like Horned Vorlunk is an example of a card that shines in these Combray decks as well. Like it's, I, I think it's actually just a decent card right now in the format all around. But having a three four for four with Overwhelm that gets bigger with your horns and stuff in play, it's really good and also plays a good defense and can attack through for extra damage and plays really well with combat tricks also having overwhelm so there's o- overwhelm feels a little bit like flying in some respects but not not nearly as good i would rather have flyers in that slot typically but sometimes you gotta throw some horned vorlocks in to get to your unit count and that that's also something that i think is is interesting that uh a lot of these decks i've actually been getting seven wins with recently aren't super top loaded with tons of two drops there it's more super heavy loaded with four and fives and even some Mm -hmm. sixes just because i i don't think too many decks are really uh that powerfully aggressive that i've been facing so it hasn't been a problem it's just usually corrupted behemoth kind of comes and ruins the party i've found (laughs) so far (laughs) that card is critical uh, mm-hmm. And also, you know, picking up things like ancient excavators and stuff later, they're, they're kind of easy to come by as well. And they're just a solid, you know, four, six for five as well. And anything with those type of stats, is going to be really good. Yeah. So how many two drops do you think you're looking to play? Like in the four range and the six range? Yeah, four to four to six. Um, I mean, you can obviously have seven if they're all good, too. But you're you're going for quality over quantity, I'd say, mm-hmm. with these these type of decks. You can also, I mean, this Combray deck can be built slightly more aggressively. Even you could have more two drops if you have 
a higher number of, I don't know, like retributions and maybe even some combat tricks and stuff. You're just trying to push through quickly. And would you say you're, are you leaning more on time or justice or are you going, or is it usually more of a 50, 50 split? Like it's pretty 50, 50 in a lot of my decks. I I'd, I'd say that time is definitely more attractive to me, especially having the horn because I mean, a horn of plenty deck, doesn't have to be Combray. <laughs> so that's really the it, the time seems to be the the cornerstone for some reason I just keep justice keeps being open for me also I don't know if it's just I'm I'm hitting a stretch of of luck it totally could be explainable with that but it seems like uh justice is equally deep in a lot of ways and has lots of great like those flyers that I mentioned, um, even like Valkyrie Militant and stuff like that seem to get passed frequently in drafts, and they're really good in horn decks. Just any flyer is great. So that, yeah, that's I think that's a pretty good overview of what the strategy is looking like. All right, All right. so I'll just end this segment with uh, the top Combray commons. The unsurprising number one is Corrupted Behemoth, which is in actually... Just about 75% of all the Combray decks we receive have a Corrupted Behemoth. And there's about an average of 1.5 copies. So, you know, about half of them have two and about half of them have one. Uh, the next um, card is Retribution. And this is actually really surprising to me, but only about half of the, or about half of the decks have a Retribution in them, which uh, is surprising. But the decks that do have them um, have about two per deck. And then there is um, Argentport Soldier and Fall Short are the next two. And all four of those are the um, only cards that are in 50% of the Combray decks that we received. So one of the things that really surprised me is when you start looking at, about like what cards are in what decks, I've just been very shocked about how low that number is do you know what i mean like kind of like argent port soldiers also it's a, around 50 percent. but you would think just about every justice deck would have at least one of them but only half of the justice decks have an argent port soldier in them and that's for like you know one of the top commons it gets like really low once you start looking at other cards you know like horn of plenty only about a third of the combray decks have a horn of plenty in them and think that was also sort of like a key piece you know some of these things that you consider like key pieces to a deck are actually not showing up in as many decks as you would think which i which is this is all a long way of saying is it's it's surprising to me about how varied the decks that are doing well are because there's no cards except for corrupted behemoth which is in like three quarters of all combray decks and that's the highest across like any any faction any card is uh is corrupted behemoth and combray but a lot of the other cards are like in 50 percent or less of decks and uh it's for a common that was just surprising to me yeah i guess that shows how deep it is how interchangeable a lot of those commons are to a certain yeah. extent yeah i think it gives me hope it's like well just about anything can win if you have a plan hopefully shall we uh move on to the draft yeah so this week we're gonna do it on my account which should be fun. So first pack, man, 
This is kind of rough. So, cards in contention. You got Stained Honor, which is the 1-3 Shadow Guy for two that twists, costs one less. Avalanche Yeti is the 2-2 two, two for two that stuns two guys when you shift it. Merge Titan, Coastal Blade Barrier. This feels a little too early to maybe pick that. The rare is Reinforcements, which is the one that enemy players can't play spells for the next three turns. Um, but has Onslaught for each attack you have made this turn you give them plus plus one you know plus x plus x to that many units on top of your deck i've never tried making that work in draft yet um (laughs) i would imagine it's doable like it seems like you could definitely make it happen um but i'm gonna i'm probably just gonna take the submerged titan here (laughs) because none of these avalanche yeti is the best card for sure. But I don't want to be in Primal. And you would like Submerged Titan over, and this is also not a very good card, but I think the two cards sort of on its level uh, in Fire is there's the Horde Duelist, which is the 2 Fire 2-2 two, two charge, and then there's a Warfront Missionary, the 1 Justice 1-3. One, you just like Submerged Titan better than either of those? Yeah, I think they're kind of replaceable. Even even Horde Duelist is, uh, feels a little bit like filler in some of the aggressive red decks also. Right. But doesn't Submerge Titan? Or yeah. Just... Oh, it is. Yeah. It's totally also filler, but it's in time. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I'm taking it. All right. So let's, yeah, let's, let's do this. All right. So we pick Submerge Titan for our first pick. It's the second pick. They took the rare. This is a good pick. There's a lot of great options. They have, we've got an Outlaw Ringleader is the first one that jumped out to me. That's the 3-3 three, three for 4 double fire influence that you can pay for and twist to give another one of you, your units plus 4 attack this turn. It also onslaughts to play a 2-1, which is, it's great. That's a great card. Um, Shield Crafter is very solid. It's the 2-6 for 5 uncommon injustice. Onslaught gains 6 armor. And I've seen this card do some serious work. It totally throws off races, like, to a massive extent. A lot of board states, it just kind of, like, completely flips things. And a 2-6 is very hard to attack through. Razor Quill is great. Uh, And then Svetius Faithful is the other one that I'm looking at here. Um, There's there's some other good cards. There's a couple other good uh, common Shadow cards and Outfitter and Angry Prophet also. But, you know, obviously it's way too early to say there's anything uh, open. Mm-hmm. So I I think this is this is actually tough because I do like the Shield Crafter quite a bit. But I do think I'm just going to take the Fire guy. <laughs> just, okay. I, I'm only going to force Combray if I if I it's totally 100 percent open at this point. And I'm I am all equally as happy to draft Praxis, I would say. Right. I just fire never comes open for me for some reason, but we'll take the ringleader here and yeah. just because it's the best card. Yeah, my problem with fire is kind of what Mum was talking about, whereas fire just always seems open, but that's just because its commons are so good. But then when I like look at my deck, I I like don't have any blurry chasers. I don't have any of the good uncommons, and I'm like, oh, it actually wasn't open. It was just like I was just taking a lot of second-tier commons that just happened to be also pretty good, but not as good as, say, a Blurry Chaser. 
a lot of you know like streets ablaze that type of card for some reason you see them really early all the time people pass them a lot and you're like wow this must mean fires open it's like no that just means somebody's taking the really good fire units first <laughs> they're waiting to take those later all right so because i do think yeah, pro- all right so i took the outlaw Ooh, interesting so unseen ghost blade i think is really good that's the four four relic for six that onslaughts to play a an, an incarnation with power and toughness equal to the number of spells in your void i've, I've been impressed with that ruins guide i don't think is very good that's the two two for two when one of your units emerges it gets plus x plus x equal to the that unit's power and toughness which is i mean it's it's not bad it's a totally serviceable two drop but it, it's a little situational for me so otherwise we've got a steadfast paladin uh which i love I think it's really good in most of the decks. It goes really well with this ringleader. Quicksilver Ooze might be slightly more exciting. And there's another Razor Quill. But yeah, this is a tough pick. Because I do think probably the Unseen Ghostblade is the best card. So I might be leaning towards it. Yeah, and somebody did pick a common over it. So This is pick three, and there's two uncommons left. Right. Well, I'm not married to anything yet. And I, I do think maybe if they're undervaluing justice, potentially, this could be a good pick. All but, right. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to take the Ghost Blade just because I think it's when it does its thing properly, which it does most games, it's really strong. I mean, being able to get a free guy with your 4-4 Relic is awesome. So I'm going to pick that. All right, so next pack. So we've got a lot of great cards uh there's crooked alley guide now now a three three instead of a three two so that's great there's a blurry chaser there's a roosting warhawk growling sergeant uh blood nurse it's still hard to say i mean there's no time cards in this pack <laughs> so so our our plan of forcing combray is not gonna happen i don't think um well i mean it's it's still good i, I don't ever rule anything out this early in a draft but uh, I'm leaning towards the blurry chaser here, just because I really like fire. I agree, and, and it's a great two drop, and it and it seems to do a lot of busted things, and even a few of the like Scout Matters cards that come along occasionally, it's been good. I don't think that's going to be relevant with our deck, not so far at least. But so I'm just going to take the blurry chaser because it's a great two drop. All right, so now we've got another ruins guide. Uh, which isn't bad. It could be time. Uh, there's a belligerent yeti, but I don't think I want to go into primal for that. Daring maneuver, which is solid. There's also high alert, and this is pretty close between the two drop and the high alert, just because I do like to uh, prioritize units. Over... Which two drop? Ruins guide. Yeah, the ruins guide. Just just because I like prioritizing units. So this this is a tough pick for me because I'm I'm very attached to my high alerts. So can I, I think I would pick Daring Maneuver over Hyler. Really? Yeah. You missed it last week. I kind of talked about episode 19 where we did our last live draft and where we passed three Daring Alerts or Daring Maneuvers. And the thing I was missing that whole run was like a combat trick to like do anything with. 
So I thought we were we ended up really undervaluing the card in the draft we did. And then Ben emailed us and was like, I can't believe you guys didn't pick any of the daring maneuvers because daring maneuver is actually really high up in um, in the spreadsheet. And so people are having a lot of success with that card. And so we were we ended up picking a, a few cards over daring maneuver that daring maneuver was actually overperforming in our spreadsheet. And obviously that's not the end all be all of everything. But I do wonder if maybe you're you are now undervaluing it from where you had it. You know, you originally had it really high. And now I, I wonder if you're undervaluing it a little bit. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I, I haven't played with it as much because I usually prioritize the burn spells over it typically. Um but in in, in some scenarios it's actually better than the burn spells. Um and I'm sure those scenarios come up quite often. So you think daring maneuver here? Yeah. Be... Two two for twos are just easy to come by, I think. Yeah, that's true. But daring maneuver over high alert, that's the thing I'm I'm having trouble getting behind. Because I, I like high alerts just also having warp and the surprise this true surprise block factor is pretty cool. Like daring maneuver is something that's slightly easier to play around. Yeah, I agree. I only play around um plus two plus two combat tricks. But <laughs> I do that sometimes too, yeah. I'm like, well I just hope they don't have a high alert. And then sometimes they do and I get blown out. Yeah. I mean they're very close on our spreadsheet. Daring maneuver is about uh two times the background rate and high alert is about one point eight five times the background rate. So they're they're close. So I'll let you decide, but I think I would take daring maneuver here. I would, I and I would have blurry chaser and outlaw ringleader sort of be the deciding factor. Well, I think the fact that there's still a ruins guide and the daring maneuver means fire. I mean, we only have the one unseen ghost blade, so I, I think in this situation right here, this pick that it can get the nod over high alert. Despite the fact, I do think high alert's a better card though. But, all right, we picked the Daring Maneuver. And now we have an Arc Lookout Injustice and a Sizzleback Salamander and a Warfront Missionary are really the the ones to be looking at. And I'll probably take the Salamander here for the same reason as we took Daring Maneuver. Just because mm-hmm. I know that, that, you know, even that one Man and Mouse draft we went over where he managed to just stay solidly in almost one faction for a long time until that moonstone vanguard came by yeah really was an effective way to draft this format because there's no multi-faction cards anywhere yeah i got my first uh top decked sizzleback salamander lethal uh this week which was pretty yeah, it is a burn. Like, it is a burn spell. <laughs> I was like, I have nothing. To, I have no way to get in this last two points of damage, and then I top deck Sizzleback Salamander, and I was like, oh, I have one way. <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes relevant, but I, I mean, it's okay. It's a decent enough three drop. Yeah. All right. So this next pick uh, is a pretty easy Warhawk Twin Flame. Is a card I've never tried. <laughs> it's the eight power. Uh, Deal four damage to two enemies with warp. I mean, that's doable. I feel like I finish a lot of games at eight plus power as it is, but that's still way too costly to really waste a pick on, I think. 
Yeah, and the only other cards, there's uh, two Justice cards, the Roosting Warhawk, and then Heist, which is the one Justice Warp, give a unit or weapon in your hand, plus one, plus one. And then the only Fire card is uh, Needle Spitter. Hey, uh, he's pretty good with my Blurry Chaser. Yeah. And then there's a couple bad uh, Shadow cards, too. Yeah. All right, that's easy, Warhawk. Okay, oh, so- wow, and this is a great... We finished up that pack with, you know... Nothing too impressive, though we did get a late Steadfast Paladin, which feels really good. So right now we're sitting on pretty solidly most of our playables are in Rakano for sure. Yeah. And we opened an Alessi. Aha! Of course. I, I give up on my Combre, and this is what happens. It's kind of tough to not pick the Alessi here. <laughs> Let's see. What else is there? There's a Clan Standard. Definitely don't want to be in Primal. Uh, there's an Ancient Excavator. I would definitely, if I'm going to go back towards time at all, I would do it for Alessi. There's a Sharpened Reflexes, which I'm really a fan of. And then everything else is kind of chaff in general. Nothing, like, not horrible, but not good. Like, yeah, refre- no refresh really is good... solid, but... Yeah, and then, yeah, in Fire, there, there's no really good Fire card. All there really is is a Clan Wallbreaker, which is the 4-2 Overwhelm for 4. Uh, he's been unimpressive to me. Very easy to block and kill with any two drop. I think I'm going to take the Alessi. All right. Uh, I just think I, I would. The Sharpened Reflex is my would be my actual normal pick. But in this situation, it is splashable. It's possible that we get past some seats or something. And if we do, we can... I have I had a Naya deck... Naya, sorry. A uh, Fire Time Justice deck recently that was really solid, too. Was splashing fire for some removal, some burn spells and stuff, which is really fun. But yeah, I'll take Alessi just because it's like my favorite card. And now we've got our the rare... This pick two of pack two. We've got an Ixton Cargo, which does fix our Rakano colors. Uh, we have a Soaring Guard, which, as we talked about earlier, I love. There's not much else, really. Awakened Sentinel in Time, which is okay. Iron Hook is a passable card as well. Though it's not as good it was as it was in the previous format. Yeah, I don't know. That, how are you feeling about this pick? Are you a, a cargo seek power type of person? Oh, you know, now that you mention it, uh, we are kind of in... Rokano colors, so Ixton Cargo sort of fits. Pumps up our Ghost Blade, so that's actually relevant. Uh, it'd be tough to take it over a decent two drop in Soaring Guard, though. Yeah, that's, decent that's... is a, maybe a stretch, but. Hey, hey, he's at least decent. <laughs> yeah, I think I like the Cargo here. Okay. I, I think that it's. I mean, this, everybody knows how great Seek Power if if you If you're sort of newer to Eternal. These type of cards are really valuable. Cargos and Seek Powers, the ones that go fetch sigils, because you are guaranteed to two, three, or four power, when, especially when you redraw. So a lot of hands, you you get Ixton Cargos count as like extra chances at power, essentially. And even in your opening, opening hands, sometimes you'll be able to keep hands that you normally wouldn't be able to because you have Cargos or Seek Powers in them. Also, there's a minor thinning effect that is maybe somewhat relevant. <laughs> that statistically is hard to judge. But we'll take the cargo. It also uh, triggers my Alessi. 
So this is a choice between two three three drops in this next pick. This is pick number 15 in our pack two. Third pick in pack two, I guess I should say. And there's a Bright Mace Paladin and a Rebel Sharpshooter. And a Learned Herbalist, but I'm definitely not going with that. So what are you feeling on this debate between Paladin and Sharpshooter here? It's like, what do you value more, Lifesteal or Quick Draw? I kind of want to do Rebel Sharpshooter because I I still want to be more fire than justice. But, you know, we didn't get a ton of good late fire cards either so it felt like it dried up even though it looked open at first yeah i i agree i think i'm taking the paladin for faction concerns right at this moment because it looks like justice is actually our maybe slightly better (laughs) the alessi is really appealing too i gotta say that. that that card can take over a game in limited it's not something you get to see often but occasionally when it does it's it's pretty silly but I also think Lifesteal is slightly higher impact than Quick Draw on average. Mm. Though that's that's debatable. It, mm. it can also depend on what the situation is in the game. Because I guess if you're more slightly more aggressive bent, which we kind of are at this point, the Sharpshooter is pretty good. Man, I'm almost like talking myself out of it. I'm going to take Paladin, though. Ooh, here's a pick. So we've this is pick number... Oh, God, what is it? pack two pick four pack two pick four here we are with a wormstone a seed of progress Uh, consuming flames is a tough one we have an amber coin that we got late in the first pack that can feed a consuming flames okay but that's still not feeling that great i definitely not better than a wormstone or seed yeah, I would definitely think it, this pack is between the Seed of Progress or a Wormstone. The only other Justice cards, which are other primary color, is Detain or Coastal Diplomat. And I think either of them are replaceable, while a Wormstone this late could mean that time is open. And so maybe that's where we want to be as yeah. our second color. Well, we know time wasn't really open pack one. <laughs> that doesn't mean we can't get good time cards in pack four, but yeah, but it we makes could it get less good likely. time cards in pack two and three. And exactly. Then yeah, if it's it seems like it's quite open because wormstones are, I think, pretty highly rated. Yes, it kind of slides into this and doing really well in the spreadsheet. We have Alessi and Unseen Glowsblade, both as spells matters cards, mm-hmm. though. Seed of Progress is, is hedging on less on giving up on fire and more on potentially having some of this splashed. Um, though, I mean, Outlaw Ringleader is a double fire card, and that's our best fire card. And Blurry Chaser is a, our second best one, which is only single. But those are really the only two. Daring Maneuver, so it's Daring Maneuver, Ringleader, and Blurry Chaser right now are what we'd be giving up if we went away from fire. Which is not a terrible thing to give up if the cards keep flowing like this. Yeah, well what I would say, and correct me if, if you think this is wrong, is I would take the Wormstone because the Seed of Progress I would view as like a way to splash time currently. And 
the only real time card you would want to splash is Alessi, and I don't know if that's really a card you want to splash. Yeah. So because of that, I would take Wormstone and wait to see if I was a little bit more in time before taking a Seed of Progress. Yeah, that's in and of itself isn't usually that critical because you're, you're usually trying to aim on, you know, two faction decks. Mm-hmm. It's It's been a lot harder to make th- three faction decks work properly in my experience they're generally just not as consistent <laughs> I that's basically what it comes down to because fixing is so hard to come by it's locked up in you know like these uncommon seats and stuff so yeah, yeah I, I like your reasoning too so yeah I'm going to do that I'm going to take the wormstone also because a 7-7 seven is really hard to beat in the format alright so now we have a gun down and a learned herbalist in our fact, so our factions at this moment are kind of a little bit mixed between justice, time, and and fire. Right now, justice is looking like our best, um, though our best and, least open color. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's funny that we just took the time card and now we're past a great fire card, and yeah. when we're we're kind of bouncing around trying to figure out what our our second faction might be behind justice but this is tough because i do i do like gun down i think it's it's solid and our spell count right now is really low for running things like worm zones and ghost blades and alessi and stuff but yeah they'll learn um, herbalist I learn herbalist does make a spell all right i'm sold i'm taking the herbalist <laughs> yeah and i think gun i like down, two drops gun down is doing really well in our spreadsheet but i do think it needs to be in a specific deck which is a, an aggressive fire deck, which is not what I would describe our deck as right now. So this is pack two, pick six. I think cards of contention here, there's a Deft Strike in Time and a Soaring Guard in Justice, and there's no real good fire cards. Um, the only other time card is a Viper's Bite. I think I'm going to go actually with the Deft Strike, maybe over the Soaring Guard. Just because of how well it works with some of these other spells matters with the Wormstone and the Ghost Blade mm-hmm. and the Alessi. And and our unit count is not bad right now. We're at 10 units. Um, though, yeah, though I mean, we're, I've got a... Very debatable. I shouldn't say 10 units because it's a mishmash of different factions at this point. So we definitely don't have a solid 10 units unless we plan on being three faction. That yeah, makes things with... a little tougher. Yeah, go with Death Strike. You, you want to take Death Strike here? All right, let's do it. It's it's a removal. So to end pack two, um, we got a bunch of really good late time cards. We got an Averex Familiar. We got two Training Grounds, a Refresh. Um, so all and a, re- good... and a Rebel Sharpshooter and Fire. Yeah, yeah all good cards to go with our sort of Spell Matter cards. But then we did get a really late Rebel Sharpshooter. So I was kind of thinking as we're sort of going near the end of pack two that we were going to sort of cut our fire cards out and actually sort of ironically end up in Cambrai. But then with that late Rebel Sharpshooter, now I think (laughs) it's a little bit mixed. So we're back to our 11. We have, you know, 11 units right now, but that's in a mixture of three colors it's still, I think, not clear on whether we're going to be uh, fire or justice. Yeah, or I, I, 
<laughs> I'd, I'd say for me at this point, just because I, I think Alessi is really powerful and our two attachments, Wormstone and Ghostblade, are really powerful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that, that we have the two training grounds to really lock down our early drops in time and stuff, I'm feeling very good about Combray again. And it's more to me now the question of whether or not fire is splashable. That all could change with opening the right super-powered fire card, which we didn't quite get here in this pack three, pick one. Cards of contention in time, there is the Healer's Cloak, which is the four-time plus two plus two weapon. You gain health equal to the wielder's health. The only other time card really is Excavation Assistant, which is not very exciting. In Justice, there's a Valkyrie Militant. And then in Fire, there's a Backpacker's Machete. I'm probably leaning a little towards Healer's Cloak. It, it does a lot of things really well. It essentially gives a unit lifesteal, if you really think about it, for, for when, you, when you play it. Yeah, when so, so it helps to uh, turn around races really quickly. And it's really good on Paladin. It's really good on uh, Steadfast. Steadfast Paladin and Bricemate Paladin, both of them. It's really great. And um, Rebel and, Shooter. Yeah, and some of the flyers and stuff. Um, yeah, I I think in a if this was like pack one pick one, I would probably take a backpacker backpacker's machete here. But knowing that, I think we're a little bit more sol- solidly in time, or at least time was more open in pack two. I would lean towards healer's cloak cloak here. All right, that's what I'm going to go with. Even though I'm I'm still going to be keeping my eyes open for some units soon. <laughs> Hey, Wormstone is a unit. And so pack pack three, pick two. Yeah, there's a Rebel Sharpshooter, there's a Horned Vorlunk, and a Wormstone as, I think, possible cards here. I like building around Wormstones. That's a fun strategy for me. Yeah. And, and I think a 7-7... Seven, seven, I mean, the, the funny thing about, you know, you're running a Spells Matter deck to a certain degree. So a lot of times you're 7-7... Seven, seven, We'll end up, you know, you'll have combat tricks to help it along as well. Um, and we, you know, we have that death strike and stuff too, which is really good for it. Uh, picking up those two late training grounds in that last pack was amazing mm-hmm. for this deck specifically. I, I mean, you know, even our fire splash off of Learned Herbalist and the Ixton Cargo is not looking terrible. I don't know if I would be splashing like the Outlaw Ringleader, like Double Fire might be a stretch, but. Splashing for a daring maneuver and a blurry chaser and a sharpshooter doesn't sound crazy. Yeah. Oh, there's also a Shugo standard. We should mention that. That's an insanely powerful card. That's true. I do. I, I'm leaning towards just having the essentially what is a unit in Wormstone. So. Yeah, I agree. Especially because we're thinking of splashing fire. Shugo standard seems like it could be. That's not what you want as your splash card. Yeah, so right now we're, we're praying for Ancient Excavators. Now this is pretty cool. So we've got, for this pick, this is pick three, right, of our third pack? Yeah. We've got a Gun Down, an Envelop, a Pummel, but there's also a Seed of Impulse, the Praxis Seed, mm-hmm. uh, which if we were wondering if we're going to be able to splash fire, this makes it much more doable. So I, I definitely would take the seat over like a gun down at this point, if if I'm going to try and make the gun down happen. <laughs> like, I I don't want to add an extra piece of fixing to this potentially three 
faction deck that we've got brewing here. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think Envelope is really worth going out of our way to pick. Oh, well, hmm, man. Envelope is looking really good in this deck, though, because we have the two Wormstones, Unseen, Ghostblade, the Alessi, um, having a really cheap spell to trigger Wormstones is great. I know, but Though we are we're not doing bad on that. Spells. Yeah, we're not doing bad on that with the double training ground, the Ixton Cargo, and Refresh and Death Strike. Yeah, I, I like taking the Seed of Impulse. Also because something in me is... I mean, when I used to play Magic, Naya was always my favorite combination of colors. <laughs> hey, there's my Ancient Excavator. Alright, we got there. This yeah. deck is officially broken. Because Excavator is actually looking like a bomb in this deck. Yeah. So, cards in contention. There's an Ancient Excavator in Time. There's also a Temple Standard. And then in Fire, there's a Rusty Grenomotive and a Pummel. And then in Justice, continues to not really be open. There's a Tinker. I would be very happy to take a Temple Standard. Um, I actually think it's really close to the Excavator, but... Uh, Excavator in a double Wormstone Unseen Ghostblade deck seems pretty broken. Yeah, I agree. And it's a 4-6 for 5. We've talked about how good that is in the format. Alright, so this pick is also pretty interesting. So we have a choice between Fall Short or Avarex Familiar. Hmm. What do you think? This is maybe our toughest pick yet. Because I, I think a Fall Short seems really good right now. There's a lot of targets for Fall Short in this format, I've noticed, including opponents, Wormstone, Worms. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I, you know, I, 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 I would have probably snap pick Avarex Familiar, but I think that's part. That's just a a leak in my game where time has been open in pack two and pack three. So I just think, oh, pick all the time cards. And Justice hasn't been open, so I like I've sort of stopped looking at Justice cards, even though they're still integral to our deck. So, so I don't know. I mean, I guess the real question is how low are we on unit count? Because you know we have twelve units in our pool right now, plus the two, um, the two Wormstone, but three of those units are fire units with the Blurry Chaser, Rebel Sharpshooter, and Outlaw Ringleader. You know, it's hard to know if we can count those as reliable units. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Ringleader right now is the only one to me that's not looking super great. Though I think, I mean, there's a chance we pick up another piece of fixing maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm I, just always hesitant to cut it, but I think you're right. It is the double fires looking not good when fire is definitely a, a splash right yeah now. and then even blurry chaser just very unlikely to come down on two so it's not really a two drop yeah i mean it, it luckily that card has a lot of late game potential too yeah so. i think it's it's playable in a splash situation to a certain degree two drops aren't always where you want to be but blurry chaser has enough of an impact yeah, yeah, maybe just, my natural logic is the opposite of what's true, and the fact that justice isn't really open, but we're still kind of in justice, means we should take the fall short, because we're less likely to see another fall short in these last seven picks, as compared to an Avarex Familiar, where we picked up a late one in pack two also, so we're more likely to see 
more good time cards. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I, I think this deck is maybe lacking the effect that Fall Short brings to a certain degree. Yeah, and that that we this is a, at the end of the day we're definitely running a spells matters deck, <laughs> and I think Fall Short is one of the best spells to be playing in yeah. this type of list. So I, I think the upside of Fall Short is just much higher. It is hard to pass a familiar because it's all. It seems like it's always good, but yeah. fall short. It, there are situations where it's like, oh, they got two corrupted behemoths, and I have a fall short, and I just lose because <laughs> he is overwhelmed. But uh, I'm taking. Yeah, but fall you short. still probably would have lost in that situation. So. Yeah. Well, I just took the fall short. Um, we're following it up with. Oh, uh, so there's a Rebel Sharpshooter. Do you want to skip through these pretty quick? No, we can do this. This one's kind of interesting, too, I think. So, yeah, in pack, um, pack three, pick six, there's a Rebel Sharpshooter. There's an Excavation Assistant and a Pack Hunt. And so this is, again, an interesting thing because I think Rebel Sharpshooter is obviously a much better card than Excavation Assistant. Um, but the question is, how... How three color do we want to be? How much do we want to splash? So, what is your feeling on this one? I, I've played Pack Hunt in decks and been relatively happy with it. Like this deck isn't swarming the board so mm -hmm. much. It does need spells, but I feel like I, I would rather have uh, cheaper, more flexible spells to trigger Wormstones and stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think I'm just gonna take the Sharpshooter and. Uh, I'm still not even completely sold on playing fire, but this this pushes me a little further towards definitely splashing it. And excavation assistant to me is just not playable. Blocks all the soaring guards. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Those bastards. And now we are in pack four, and we are solidly in <laughs> in Combray potentially splashing fire. We have the tools. Yeah, to we're not solidly fire. in Combray potentially splash. We're solidly in fire time justice. You, you think that we're definitely playing the fire at this point? It seems like it's kind of free. We have the Seat of Impulse, Ixton Cargo. We've got two learned herbalists. Okay, yeah. It's I cool. mean, I'm not happy about it. I would rather not be splashing the fire, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I think if when you when you take out all of our fire cards. Our Combray units don't look particularly impressive. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, well, this pick one is a little interesting. So we've got a few good ones. We've got War Wagon, which is the 3-3 three, three for 3 that shifts for 5 to give one of your units plus 3 plus 3 until it emerges. Mm -hmm. A Sveti is Faithful, a Tremor Shocker, a Granite Coin, another Daring Maneuver. I think I'll just take the War Wagon here. What are you thinking? I think What's if our... we're splashing fire, the double justice for on three seems tough. Yeah, that's a good point. The double justice is an issue, though. Though I think we're definitely going to be playing. We we just have a ton of time cards. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, does, doesn't that make you want to take Tremor Shocker? Let's see. How are we looking on our top? I like the Wormstone plan. We got Reef Double Refresh. Are we even gonna? Maybe not. So we have two training grounds also as two two drops. So we're like overloaded on two drops right now. Uh-huh. Um and Alessi kind of counts in my mind as a two drop. 
I think I like the War Wagon, though. 3-3 three, three for 3 is not bad. Though we do have a decent number of those. But if we end up backing out of fire, <laughs> I don't know if that's even a possibility. What about Zuberi's Longbow? Have you played this card? I have not. What have we got for Scouts? Blurry Chase. I mean, do you even want it to get sacked? I guess you do, kind of. 3 damage is pretty good. Blurry Chaser is like it for us, though. So you you were thinking Tremor Shocker was looking the most appealing to you. Yeah, I mean, not super appealing, but I don't know. I guess if you think of War Wagon as a 5-drop, then it's not that bad. Yeah. And we've got the the Paladins and uh, the... Well, only the one Paladin, but... That War Wagon's effect on, you know, like Steadfast Paladin or Bright Mace Paladin or the Rebel Sharpshooters gets in for a lot of damage. Yeah, I know. We're just a three-color deck, though. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna take the war wagon. So now this is an interesting pick. There's another steadfast paladin. There's the rare, which is enhanced excavator. Have you played with this guy yet? He's a seven-seven for seven. When one of your units attacks, replenish one power. He shifts for five. I not, have not played one impressive. deck with him. It's not as impressive as you would think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily what our deck needs either mm -hmm. um, at this point. We've got some really powerful synergies and effects that I think we're going to be pushing more. I think I'm actually leaning towards taking Char here, because I like it better than I like a lot of the spells that we have at the moment. Like, you know, like Viper's Bite we've got sitting in our pool and stuff, but I do like having a one power spell to go with my Wormstones to make them more like a 5-drop big guy. Yeah, I think I'd still take Blurry Chaser, but... Blurry Chaser instead? Yeah, okay. I guess we didn't mention that. There is a Blurry Chaser in the pack, too. Yeah, cards in contention. There's an Ancient <laughs> Excavator, which is the 7 time time 7 7 When one of your units attacks, replenish one power, shift 5. There is a Char, a Steadfast Paladin, and a Blurry Chaser. Because I, I like the way Char kind of works with some of these effects. Just because I, I like having lots of spells. I mean, we do have a good spell suite, though. Yeah. It's not like we don't have enough to pick from. I mean, most of these are passable. Though, refreshes. We've got two refreshes in here, and it's not at its absolute best. Yeah. Well, we have two refreshes, and I think the pack hunt probably will get cut. So you think Blurry Chaser would be your... I don't know. They're just such a good card. I just hate seeing them on the other side of the board. Yeah, I did like what you said earlier, though, about splashing, like having two drops on a splash is tougher to make work on average, mm -hmm. which is definitely true. Usually you're splashing for powerful effects, so like by the time you eventually get to it, you're like, oh, okay, there's my source of fire. It's like unlocked a really powerful effect. I know, but ne neither of these are are that either. Well, yeah, Char is also not super impressive, which I don't know. May maybe means past steadfast paladins the pick. We'll go blurry chaser. Oh man, imagine giving steadfast paladin deadly. That's true. It attacks through a lot of stuff. It attacks through everything. It also dies to cobalt or uh, granite coins all the time. Well, this is kind of a interesting pick here. What do you? So we have a lot of two drops, though. We're doing quite good. 
We'll take the Blade Chaser. It's just because it's better. Alright. Now we've got some things to pick between here. This is pick two, right? Or wait. Pick three. Three. Pick three. All of the uncommons are still here. Two of them are shadow, unfortunately. Uh, we've got a flash grenade. We got a quicksilver ooze, another submerged titan, a roosting warhawk, another blurry chaser. Um, this one's interesting. Okay, hear me out. You yeah. take blurry chaser, and we splash justice. <laughs> yeah, let's see how how that would look. So, okay, no, no. I think triple, I, yeah, triple blurry chasers seem pretty solid. Yeah, and then your justice cards, I think, are fall short, unseen ghost blade, um, warhawk, LSC, and then maybe warhawk. I think you can get rid of Argentport Soldier and Steadfast Paladin if you have three Blurry Chasers. This is the oddest draft. <laughs> I do a lot of drafts like this because I, I refuse to like get rid of cards, and I know a lot of players will be like, "All right, let's just go with these colors and just like X out a bunch of stuff." I have a habit of leaving them all up, mm -hmm. um, which means I draft very slowly. <laughs> no, see, I leave. I end up leaving them all up and draft quickly, which is maybe why I have so many train wrecks. Oh yeah. Well, that's. Well, I'll be. I'm going to be impressed if we salvage this draft. Oh, this deck. I like this deck. I think this deck is great. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a big fan of it. Actually, I think that it. Whatever happens, it's going to work itself out. Um. So there's a seek answers too. Draw power or non-power. to believe that's a good card. <laughs> it's it's not, but it's a spell. <laughs> Come on, we gotta we gotta trigger our our spells matters cards. Let's see. Well, I mean, like, what would I take over the blurry chaser at this point? Quicksilver ooze, I think. O ooze probably, yeah. and ooze is is much less exciting without horns and stuff. Yeah. Like I, I have so many more powerful things to be doing with my power than twisting oozes. Okay. When I've got the two wormstones and stuff. So yeah, I like your let's go triple blurry chaser and Alright, so that's the draft. We're not gonna build it for you guys here on the podcast, but I think it's gonna end up being really solid. So it's it's it turned out we you know, after all that bouncing around between Combray and Ricano, and then finally settling into Praxis uh, felt like the best way to do it. Especially since we were given that, you know, those two late blurry chasers, so we ended up with three of them. Yeah, and we also ended up with, like, a 7th or 8th pick Streets of Flame in Ooh. that last pack. Yeah, I think this deck is really good. I think it has very powerful effects. The Double Wormstone... The Ancient Excavator, the Unseen Ghost Blade, like the, the upper power level of its game plan is just nuts. And and I think it does play defense good enough, too. It has some definitely some potential for aggressive draws, but it's not going to get over, like, completely run over, I don't think. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think it, it, the weakness could be ton of what's he called the the shifting one drop <laughs> nimble conscript yeah like it's just like opponent just chaining off nimble conscripts could definitely do us in quickly but uh i think our wormstone plan looks really solid for blocking purposes so i'm not too scared and healer's cloak also a great defensive card you've got a death strike and a streets of flame and a fall short to all kind of do defensive work. I'm really excited to play any deck with a Lessie, though. That's always fun. For me. So uh, that's the end of our draft and the end of our show. Uh, once again, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And remember to thumbs up all of Barefoot Farmer's Reddit posts. And uh, once again, send all your seven-win deck lists uh, to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Bye. All right. Yeah. See you later. And Ben, also known as Ben Grasher. Uh, Grasher. Ben Grasher. Mining. Oh. He changed it. Jesus Christ.